This is the Mutual Audio Drama Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. They say that politics makes strange bedfellows, and I suppose that's true. Thing is, it's not like politics has any sort of exclusive on that. Any situation that forces one person to ally themselves with another can lead to some pretty strange displays of teamwork at times. War and peace, business and pleasure, you name it. Come to think of it, bedfellows make some pretty strange bedfellows from time to time, but that's not the point. The point is that the more extreme the circumstances, the more a girl has to resist her independent urges. Detective work is a swell line for lone wolves sometimes. And then there are times when every tick of the clock can mean life and death. And that's when a sensible gal takes a look at the board to see who's still standing. It had been a banner week for Jack Justice Investigations. A divorce case, or at least it would have been once the pictures were developed. A call from an insurance company that's been throwing work our way lately. A missing cat and a little snooping snitch on behalf of a bail bondsman in Ann Arbor, Michigan. To say that our resources were stretched a little thin implies we had any to speak of beyond old swear John myself. So when he started poking around the local boxing club on the advice of our old snitch, Freddy the Finger Hawthorne, I didn't pay that much attention. After all, mystery or no, as far as I could see, there was no client and no fee, and we had plenty of paying work on our plates. We were dotting the last T's and crossing the final I's when I looked around and realized Jack was nowhere to be found. That was two days ago. Two days of casing round back rooms and alleys like this, looking for Jack or Freddy or any sign of either. It was getting serious, all right. Still, some bedfellows are stranger than others, and as I watched my new partner persuading a local numbers man to give the skinny, I reckon this had to be one of the strangest. I'm getting tired of hearing myself sing a solo, Ricky. You're going to tell me where Freddie Hawthorne is or I'm going to play a mean rumba on your ribcage, clear? I've been telling you! I don't know nothing! You got nothing on me, so get out of my place, Flatfoot! The name's Sabian. Vic Sabian. Homicide. Time is not your friend in a case like this. Every minute that somebody stays missing, it gets less and less likely they're ever going to walk through the door again. According to Dixon, Jack Justice had been poking around a fixed fight racket before he vanished. Meaning that, in his usual dilettante way, he'd stumbled right into the middle of Chick Mason's turf. The Mason mob ran half the rackets on the west side of town, and I wanted him brought down in the worst way. If Justice was missing, he must have been on to something. Something Mason took seriously enough to arrange the disappearance of a two-bit Seamus and a flunky not worth half that. If Justice was still alive, I wanted to know what that something was. Saving Jack Justice was nowhere on my Christmas list, but if it helped to put Chick Mason behind bars, I was willing to make an awful big exception. As for our friend, Ricky, somebody had once told him that cops play by the rules. Exceptions are a slippery slope, and Ricky was about to find that out. Ah, what are you doing? Yeah. Sabian, are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy. Crazy to stand here taking this garbage from a lowlife like you. Let me go! My lawyer! He's gonna receive a visit from her client in 36 separate envelopes, or you could tell me what I want to know. You work with Freddie Hawthorne. Where is he? Please, Sabian! Lay off! They'll kill me! 
Wait. Right now, they're the least of your problems. No! No, you pack a wallop, but you're not gonna put a bullet in the back of my head! You're a cop, Sabian. A cop! And I'm more scared of them than I am of you! Why, you little... No, Lieutenant. He's right. He's helped us all he can. Stay out of this, Dixon. I mean it, Sabian. This is my partner we're looking for, and I say lay off. <laughs> That's right! In fact, little Ricky here deserves our thanks for what he's done already. What he's done? Yeah, like maybe a special police citation. What? That's right! Maybe call in the newspapers, too. What? That's right! For his astounding courage in aiding the police in the pursuit of the Mason gang. What? That's right! I think you might be onto something there, Dixon. Wait a minute! There's a guy I know at the Chronicle who'd run it in the police beat in the morning. Hey, don't I get to say... Local hood makes good. That's got a real nice ring to it. I don't think that I... Richard D'Antangelo is currently aiding police with their investigations of the activities of Chick Mason's alleged racketeering, and they hope to have enough evidence to make an arrest any day now. For Pete's sake! They killed me before the ink was dry! You're cold, Junior. Tell us what we want to know and take your chances or keep your trap shut and you'll get gunned down as a stoolie. Ricky talked tough, but when you rattled his cage a little, it was choir practice in a heck of a hurry. He gave us a couple addresses Freddy used to lay low. One was his waterfront hideout. I'd been there before and it was the first place I checked when Freddy and Jack went missing if you don't count every saloon on the most direct route between there and the office. The second address was a hole in the wall above Ronson's gym that Freddy'd been using as an office since he gave up the ponies for the palookas. Sabian wasn't amused. He wanted to check the waterfront address. I'm telling you, Sabian, it's a waste of time. I've been there twice already. I'd feel better about it if I saw it for myself, is all. Listen, Flatfoot, you don't like me and I don't like you, but if we're going to find my partner before he gets dead, you're going to have to zip up the badge and take a few things on faith. Or are you more interested in turning over Fred Hawthorne's hideout to see what other dirt shakes loose? Interested? The only thing I'm interested in is bringing Jack Justice back in one piece. Why, Lieutenant, I didn't know you cared. I don't. You and Justice have been thorns in my side long enough. But if he's got something on the Mason gang, I want it. You're all heart. Ronson's gym. This must be the place. Hold on. A place like this can be pretty rough. You sure you want to go in here? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Hey, no dames in the joint. Take the skirt outside. Oh, oh, no dames in the joint. Sorry, I had no idea. <coughs> oh, hey, what are you doing? That what you teach in the gym? Oh, answer a right hook with a stupid question? Oh, oh, knock it off before I put you through the wall. Oh, think you're fast enough, pops? Oh, or maybe I want to call the boys in and tell them to make the girl stop hitting you. Oh, my nose! It ain't like you were pretty before. Get out of here before I call a cop. Sabian Nickel, Princess. Sabian, homicide. Homicide. What are you doing? I'll ask the questions. Why'd you let her hit me? Did somebody hit you? Okay, I get it. Oh, you get it, do you? Hey, let go! Let now go. you listen and you listen good. If you don't like the way the lady asks the questions, you and I can find a nice, quiet place downtown to have this discussion. A nice, quiet, soundproofed place. See? Be a good boy and nod your head. He's all yours, Dixon. I like being upstage as much as the next girl, provided the next girl hates it with a fiery passion. After all, Sully Runson might be over the hill, but he'd seen more punches than any two of you have had hot dinners, and I'd practically made him cry with a $4 special. That's a roll of nickels in each fist for those of you who went to a different finishing school. But there was something about the way Sabian strong-armed a suspect, something not at all what I expected. I wasn't sure if he was enjoying playing Private Dick or if this was how he normally conducted himself. If so, Jack and I might have to recalculate the good lieutenant's dislike for us. 
We'd been getting off easy. It took a little persuasion to get Sully to admit that Freddy Hawthorne had a room upstairs, and no threat of force was going to get us in. Sabian picked up the telephone receiver and asked to be connected to the fire inspector's office. Thirty-four seconds later, we were in Freddy's sanctum, such as it was. Hawthorne certainly is a pack rat. Sadly, it's one of his best qualities. Keep looking for anything that might be connected to fixed fights or the Mason gang. What's Hawthorne's involvement in this racket? Strictly a competitor, according to Jack. Freddy's no shark. He's just noticed that there's a lot of leavings to be had when the sharks are finished. Speaking of sharks, where'd you learn to punch like that? At school. Public or private? Reform. So I guess you could say a little of both. Lady law and order, a juvie. (laughs) Save it. What'd you do? I beat a police lieutenant to death for forgetting what he was supposed to be doing when my partner's life was at stake. Oh, sorry. That's what I'm about to do. Roger that. Resuming search. Hmm... I didn't know Hawthorne was so smooth with the frails. Freddy? A lady killer? (laughs) In his dreams and my screaming heebie-jeebie nightmares. According to these records, six months ago he was moving an awful lot of jewelry for a fellow without nine girlfriends and six jealous wives. Sabian, try not to be a cop for a minute. Save him now, arrest him later. When are you going to start calling me Vic? Sometime shortly after Gabriel swings the doomsday hop. Have it your way. I usually do. I don't know how you and Justice put up with each other. We usually don't. We just haven't shot each other yet. Uh Uh-huh. If I'm putting in this kind of overtime to find him... Just keep looking and I promise to let him live through Christmas. It's November. What are you, an advent calendar? Whoa. What is it? Sabian, I think we might have been coming at this from the wrong angle. What is it? We've been assuming that Chick Mason and his boys took Jack and Freddy because they learned something. Something incriminating about their operation. What of it? I think the motive might be a little simpler than that. Look. Mother of Pearl. All twenties, fifties, hundred dollar bills? Dixon, there must be half a million bucks in that bag. Well, at least we know what the Mason gang's after. Hawthorne must have got greedy and pinched their loot. Well, they're not that likely to kill either of them till they've got the bag back. There's a good chance that your partner's still alive. But for how much longer, Sabian? For how much longer? You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. The delicate flower seated immediately behind me is Freddie Hawthorne sometimes called Freddy the Finger, mostly because it annoys him. Please excuse us if we don't get up. It's not that we intend any disrespect. Really, it isn't. It's just being handcuffed to hard wooden chairs tends to overwhelm the nice social graces at a time like this. That's for me, anyway. Freddy's situation is slightly more complicated in that he has also been beaten into unconsciousness. Now, that probably sounds a lot worse than it is. The truth of the matter is Freddy lives most of his life close to that exalted state. I knew him once to pass out for an hour because he'd been stung by a bee. So don't shed too many tears for old Fred. Not yet, anyway. We'd both taken some lumps, to be sure, but we were still in surprisingly good shape for a couple of swells that almost certainly wouldn't live through the night. Maybe I should clarify the situation slightly. We'd spent the last I don't know how long as guests of Chick Mason and his boys. Chick knows how to make his guests comfortable, all right. Frederick the Inert and I were handcuffed to one another through the backs of our chairs, under a single swinging light in a large open space, like a warehouse maybe. Couldn't see that far. 
The floor was hard and cold, gray cement. I could see the shadowy forms of a few old crates to my right and left, and somewhere dead ahead of me, thirty, maybe forty feet away, was a door. I knew this, because from time to time it opened, and I could see the bright amber light spilling through. What was on the other side of that door, I had no idea. I'd been out cold when we came in and wished I'd stayed that way. The lithe fellow with the sharp features turned up in an excited sneer was Monk. He hadn't bothered with a real name. Guess he figured I wouldn't live long enough to need it. The gorilla hovering in front of me I hadn't been introduced to. He'd been watching me for six hours without a break because his boss told him to. Never took his eyes off me. Never said a word. And they say good help is hard to find. Oh, and the dandy in the pinstripes. You know, the man in the derby with the white carnation looming just beyond the pool of light. That was Chick Mason. The reason the rest of us were here. And he knew it, too. Well, well. Jack Justice, here in my parlor. (laughs) I should be honored. Don't make like you just noticed me, Mason. I was here the whole time Monk was working on Freddy. Is that a fact? How careless of me not to notice. I trust you've been made comfortable? They've been made real comfortable. Isn't that right, Justice? (laughs) Don't get ahead of yourself, Monk. I'm giving Mr. Justice an opportunity to clear the air. To make things right between the two of us. Don't you want that, Jack? Sure I do, Chick. And I bet after I tell you what you want to know, you'll let me go, too. Won't he, Monk? Shut up! You're an intelligent man, Mr. Justice. A man of the world. Don't forget Snappy Dresser. You know far too much about my operation to allow you to leave. I won't lie to you. I appreciate the gesture, Mason, if not the information. There are hard ways, and there are easy ways to do this, Justice. Your friend Hawthorne seems to favor the hard way. There's no reason for this to be uncivilized. Tell me what I want to know. Let's start with the fact you assume I know what you want to know. He wants the money, Justice! What money? Always the hard way. Hey, Mason! How come you got the lightweight doing all the heavy lifting? What's wrong with the gorilla? He just for show? Afraid he'll bruise his lily-white hands? Hawk. Don't antagonize Mr. Hawk too much, Justice. When he hurts someone, they stay hurt. I haven't let him go to work on you and your friend just yet, because I'm still hoping for a civilized resolution to this dispute. And Hawk's not big on civilization, I'll bet. Are you sure he can even move? I haven't seen that much pork fat in one place since I took the factory tour at the Bratwurst plant. Shut up, Flatfoot! You and Hawk will dance soon enough! Oh, so it's like that, is it? He's not really my type. (laughs) Hawk! Not yet. Tell me, Mason. How does it feel to take the good time and trouble to shave down that big monkey, only to discover he was a sissy Mary? Fuck! You disappoint me, Mr. Justice. Oh, that's just what my mom used to say. I kept telling her to call me Jack. There is one way, and one way only, to spare yourself considerable discomfort. If it's sitting on Hawk's lap, I'm not interested. It looks comfortable enough, but I think he might enjoy it too much. You got a big mouth, Seamus! All right! So I wasn't having much luck antagonizing the gorilla. Mason kept him on an invisible leash ten, twelve feet away from me. But on the bright side, at least it added a little variety to the conversation. I knew what Mason wanted. I heard them put the question to Freddy over and over and over. Trouble was, I didn't know where Mason's money was. I hadn't wanted to know. Freddy'd been having trouble with the Mason gang ever since his independent bookmaking initiatives had become a little too successful for a top-down manager like Chick Mason. Sure, what Freddy was doing wasn't particularly legal, but I had a soft spot in my head for the little guy. 
And if I didn't know where Mason's money was, there was no chance I could spill when the question was put a little rough. That had seemed like a real good idea at the time. Monk, that's enough. Give Mr. Justice a chance to collect his thoughts. Mason, why all the fuss? What are we talking about here? A few hundred grand? It's more than a guy with a lunch pail sees in a lifetime, but a guy like you? Is it worth a murder rap or two? Sometimes, Jack, it takes a murder rap to beat a murder rap. Say that again in the ear that's not ringing. I don't know if you're backing your little friend's attempt to steal my profits from the fixed fight racket, or if he's backing your attempt to gather evidence against me. We were still negotiating that when Monk and this sissy jumped us. Hawk! You're gonna get yourself killed, Jack. Your concern for my well-being is touching, chick. Quite. But you see, there is something you don't know about that money. The police were as eager to see me back in prison stripes as you. They set up a little sting. Oh, those crazy kids. The money in that bag came from a business dealing gone wrong. A business dealing with a man who later proved to be a police officer. Before or after he proved to be dead. The court wouldn't care much about the sequence of events. You're probably right. I usually am. And I find it difficult to believe that those bills aren't marked or recorded in some fashion. So if you can get the bag back and the money out of the city... Or maybe the country... You got a big bag of dough and no evidence for John Law. Right. Well, Mason, I gotta hand it to you. You've actually convinced me that you have to kill me. Just one request. What's that? Let me see Hawk's mother one last time. Ah! Never fails with these big dumb types. If you can't get him with the manhood, get him with the mother. Hawk was plenty mad now. Mad enough to push his boss aside and charge me. Behind my chair, I could feel Monk hesitate, unsure of what to do. I needed that. I also needed to slow the gorilla down now that he was finally in sucker punch range. Hey, Hawk! Catch! Uh With that, I tossed the big guy to handcuffs I'd managed to work my way out of ten minutes earlier. He caught them mid-stride, his meaty brow furrowed in confusion. That was all the time I needed to hit him with the chair. That took him down. But he wouldn't stay down. He was too big and too mad. Monk was making his way around Freddy's chair, moving for me fast with a knife in his hand. I had just enough time to clip Mason with a cross before he could right himself from Hawk's attack. That took him out of the picture. Now it was just Monk and me. I had maybe 20 seconds before the gorilla realized he wasn't dead. It wouldn't be enough to pay Monk back for the beating. How much less would he done to Freddy? But it was a good start. The first few punches were functional. The next few were fun. After that, I found myself punching from the left, then the right, then the left again, propping Monk up so I could hit him some more. I let him drop as the gorilla was lumbering to his feet. His nose was broken, not for the first time, but the flow of blood was making it hard for him to breathe. And me? I swore for the first time in days to quit smoking cigarettes and grinned as I hit Mr. Hawk in his newly softened puss again. And again! His eyes rolled back in his head, two white flags flying over the unconscious but still standing form. I gave him a little shove, and the gorilla lolled back on the concrete like he was stuffed with feathers. I turned back to the chair where Freddy still sat, handcuffed and out cold, and found myself staring into a twenty-two caliber pistol. Very impressive, Mr. Justice. But I'm afraid it is over. I guess it is. Is that all? No final witticisms? Nah. I haven't got the wind. Getting old, I guess. Not a problem you're likely to have much longer. Goodbye. Mr. Justice. I could hear the shot. I could smell the powder. 
I just couldn't understand why I didn't feel a thing. Mason couldn't either by the look of him. But there was something else on his face. Something I didn't understand until I saw the blood running out of the side of his mouth. I think I knew before he did. He fell forward without another sign of life. I turned and there, in the spill of amber light from the far-off door, were two shapes with pistols extended. I recognized Trixie by the legs and the Beretta. I recognized Sabian by the aftershave. Something in my head figured now would be a perfectly good time to fall down. I was too tired to argue. Well, Justice, keep your chin up. Doctor says you'll be right as rain in a few days. Try not to look so disappointed, Sabian. What about Freddy? He'll be all right, till I get through with him. Now, Sabian. Freddy might not have known that money was evidence in the murder of a police detective, but he did know it was evidence, and he was going to bring it in before we got jumped. Oh, he was, was he? That's right. Sure, says you. That's right, says me. The only witness. I can still bust him for what half of what we saw in that hide. Now you listen to me, Sabian. No, you listen to me! Vic, let it go, would you? Vic? All right. This time, Trixie, but it won't be a habit, I promise you. Vic? Trixie? Did I miss a meeting here? Try and stay out of trouble, Justice. The city can't afford all this overtime. Take care, Vic. Yeah, you too. Vic? Shut up. I'd have never found you in one piece if it weren't for him. Mm-hmm. But I'm surprised you're so anxious to protect Freddy. He got you into all this. That's right. And if he'd told Mason where the money was... Mason would have killed both of us. He took a lot of punishment because I told him he had to buy you time to find us. How did you find us, by the way? Just old-fashioned detective work. Police work, you mean? If you like. You're not going to tell me? No, I'm not. Does it have anything to do with why you call him Vic? Ain't telling. I'll tell you how I got out of the handcuffs. Not interested. Come on, Trix. See you back at the ranch, Tiger. Get some rest. Strange bedfellows abound in the city, my friends. He was a pain in the neck at the best of times, but it'd be awful good to get old Squarejaw back on the job. If he didn't do himself a further injury wondering how we found him, that is. There wasn't any trick to it, really. We knew who'd taken Jack. We knew Mason would want to interrogate Jack and Freddy till he got his money back. Mason's old warehouse wasn't the first place we tried, but it wasn't that tough a guess. And as for the handcuffs, I'd watched Jack win too many bar bets with that stunt not to have picked up the knack. Buy a girl a drink sometime and I'll show you myself. Blackjack Justice, Episode 9, No Justice, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons with additional voices provided by Stephen Burley, Scott Moyle, Peter Nickel, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. This portion of the Mutual Audio Network is brought to you by Hannah's Banana Cabana. You get everything banana. Banana pudding, banana splits, banana rama CDs. You can even get a can of Hannah's Banana Santana Bandana Roseanne Rosanna Dana Vanna White Mana. Don't monkey around elsewhere. Hey, hey, with the monkeys.
Hannah's Banana Cabana, where the bananas have appeal. Wow! <laughs>